growing green to generate more green. Welcome to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. Each week we plant the conversational seeds about cultivation and the changing climate of cannabis culture. We'll peel back the layers of benefits of the world's most versatile plant, from food to fuel, from remedy to resource. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Grow Show with your host, multi-award winning grow master and respected cannabis consultant, Kyle Cushman. Hello and welcome all you day-tripping, night-stepping, hip-to-the-hop-and-don't-stop rockers. This is The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com and I'm your host, Kyle Cushman. Here on The Grow Show, we love to talk about how legalization is changing the world around us. We've talked about changes in the criminal justice system and the onset of societal normalization. The rapidly developing industry of newly developed cannabis products such as BHO and other chemically processed creations brought us the newly coined term of extract artists. Begs to ask the question, why is every actor in porn called a porn star rather than actor? I digress. Well, today we're talking about our newfound freedoms and how it's leading people into rediscovering ancient methods of preparation and consumption. More specifically, hashish. In Europe... Cannabis is much more commonly consumed in hash form, not the flower form, which is the most commonly smoked cannabis product in the U.S. But that's changing, thanks to a little help from our guest today. Frenchie Cannoli is a cannabis resin expert, educator, and writer who is bringing artisan-quality hash to the forefront of the American cannabis scene. For thousands of years, hashmen, or hashishin, have been highly respected members of their communities. Frenchie's been making hash for over 40 years, perfecting a rare style of hash making he learned as a young man in the Parvati Valley, living in caves amongst the hashishin of India. Now, he is the official hashishin for Aficionado Seeds, a Mendocino County-based seed company promoting boutique cannabis. He's also been active with the Emerald Growers Association, working to create a hash makers guild, and to do what he can to preserve the outdoor cannabis growing tradition in Northern California. Today on the show, we're lucky and honored to have Frenchie Cannoli. Welcome, my friend. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. Thanks thanks for being here today. You are a busy guy, and this is a great time to to alive in the cannabis industry, is it not? It is quite amazing. I have to pinch myself every morning to be sure that I'm not dreaming the life I'm having to tell you the truth. Well, it, it's all real, my friend. I know that for a fact because we've hung out together and pinched each other. So I know that we're both real. <laughs> so before we get too deep into it, could you tell us a little bit about your hash-making background, where and how your expertise was developed? Well, in France, when you start smoking, you smoke ashes. We don't smoke flour at all in Europe. And when I was really young, the only thing I really, really wanted to do was to travel. When I started smoking at the beginning, it gave me, it gave me the essence of the people of the country I really wanted to, uh, to travel. And I did that for 18 years. I literally dedicated my life to travel. I picked up my retirement plant at France just to be sure. I'm sorry, you dedicated your life to what? To traveling. I, for 18 years, I never stayed more than three months in one place. Ah. I didn't go back home. I just traveled. My life was dedicated to, uh, to traveling, to uh, discovering new places on a, on a continuous basis, basically. 
So you spent much of your youth um, and quite a bit of time in India amongst the true experts of the hash world, people who have their methodologies passed down from generation to generation for thousands of years. Is that correct? It is, but not only actually in, uh, in India. In India, they do really a specific type of, of concentrate. They found drug. And what, is, and what is that original hash-making method that you learned in the Parvati Valley? That's our hand-rubbing um, methodology. That's basically the most ancient methodology to collect resin. And is that um, dry sieve and hand-pressed? No, this is live resin. You collect the resin from the live plant standing in a field or in a, in a wild. It's, right. it's, an, it's an amazing experience. It's, it's, there is a stronger, this is the strongest connection I ever had with the plant and the resin before discovering the, the plant itself here in, uh, in America. All my travel, those, all those years of dedication was a dedication to the resin, not truly to the plant. I discovered the plant here. So this reminds me of the ancient products such as uh, the Charis Milana or the Milana Creme. Can you tell us anything about those ancient products? It's, this is the oldest methodology of collecting resin. And it's happening in a place where there is no other option, actually, to collect the resin. There is no, no real option of drying and sieving. And this is most certainly the birthplace of cannabis. If the plant was born sativa, she was born at the feet of the Himalaya. Mm -hmm. So there is a culture that goes back at least 5,000 years. And those mountains, every one of those valleys is basically a, a, a specific terroir. And you have two types of cannabis. You have the wild, the jungle, cannabis that has been growing at higher altitude since the dawn of time and you have the cultivated are appearing more and more because of the of the market demand. But if you go back even just a hundred years ago, with they had hardly any cultivated uh, field, it was only wild cannabis. And wild cannabis charas something amazing. It's, uh, it's hard to describe. It's the power of the land of the Himalaya to a point. It's quite something. Is that only uh, produced from, as you say, the live resin? It is only produced from a plant at the peak of the flowering cycle, live standing. Very that's, interesting. That's, that's really the true live resin. That's uh, as live as it gets, and it's it's an it's an amazing experience because you literally the feel of that resin collecting slowly, slowly in your hand, mm -hmm. and it's all this curtain exploding in your nose. <laughs> in those amazing places, it's an experience that is. Really, really hard to uh, to describe. I've never had any that deep relation with making concentrate as I, I, I had in um, 
yeah. And I was lucky enough that Malana is a village high up in the mountain. And so eight seasons in a row, I spent the season at the end of the summer pasture of the valley of Malana. And um, because we didn't really like situated, we, from the third season, we asked the local not to touch the field and mm-hmm. to let it go back to its wildness. And in a few years, from seven, eight feet of very, um, how do you say that in English, when all the plants are quite similar, homogeneous uh, fields, like big green plants, after uh, five feet field, you had like three feet little plants with only one small bird with every color you can dream of and every fruit you can think of. But in a mountain, even if you have like mango, pineapple, banana, strawberry, at the end of the day, you make a cocktail of fruit. Not like here when you have that one strand that gives you a lemon or uh, that mm-hmm. specific terpene profile. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. It's uh, We're hybridizing everything, and that's not usually a good thing. When I was young, I had only half a dozen producing uh-huh. countries where I had only half a dozen choice of terpene profile. Every half is coming from Lebanon or from Nepal or from Afghanistan. It's quite recognizable. I mean, it's like there is that taste and smell that comes from it that you know. Here, Every strain, it's like speaking in a new producing country. It's, it's like dreamland. It's not even big enough to express the, that diversity that it gives me. Like I, there is hundreds and hundreds of different ashes now that I can make. They're right. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> Right, so I get it. So in the old country, they didn't have hundreds of strains, and now you have a cornucopia of, of which to choose from to make your wonderful products. Is that correct? Exactly, exactly. So, Frenchie, what do you consider to be some of the hallmarks of full-spectrum hash? The hallmark is, as you seen, your duty is to capture the whole essence of the plant. The whole essence, yes. That means the, the whole spectrum of that plant, or the whole spectrum of cannabinoid and terpene. If you just plant the melt and go for a 70 to 90 micron or a 90 to 120 micron, this is only a very little slice of the full spectrum. Mm-hmm. I do art melt the same, but I art melt in the dimension of ripeness, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. There is level of ripeness in the plant. And because the, the resin head is made like a fruit, I'm shaking literally a, tru- a, a tree. I shake a little bit, I have the ripest tricon coming down. Then a little bit more, I have that second level or dimension of ripeness. I shake a little bit more, I have the third, and so on and so on. So I don't mix up all my dimension of rightness that are all full spectrum. I just pick up that slice of rightness that is really ultimate, that really gives me that uh, 
dabbable type of resin. And the rest is going to be really good too, but not that level of, uh, of goodness because it's not as ripe. The resin is not as much formed inside the resin head. Yes, we, we get a little bit spoiled, you and I, being at the top of the food chain and getting to sample all of, all of the absolute best. And as you say, the, the seconds and the thirds are quite good too, but um, when we always get to smoke the filet mignon, we get, a, we get a little bit spoiled. Right now, we are in need to take a break for our sponsors. We're going to show them some gross show love, so everyone sit back, take a deep toke, and we'll be right back with Hash Artisan Frenchy Cannoli. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. All you have to do is decriminalize. We don't need a government regulation to tell us this is good pot, that's bad pot. We don't need any of that. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. We are speaking with Hashmaster, Frenchie Cannoli. Frenchie, real quick, just for the listeners, where do you, where do you come from? Where, where were you born in this world? I was born in south of France, raised in uh, Africa, moved to Brittany, and went back to south of France. I'm, uh, I'm a very I'm Mediterranean to the bone. You are a European mutt. Uh, Italo-French, Mediterranean. <laughs> I come from the Mediterranean. Too. Well, I just wanted to explain so that everybody out there had a grasp of your wonderful accent. And uh, I think it's extremely refreshing, and I l- love conversations with you. And so I want to ask you now, so you uh, mainly appreciate, what would you call the technique of hash making that you prefer to use? What I use, now I use, I, I use water. I use ice water because this is in the maybe tens of thousands of years of evolution of ash making. This is the first and true evolution from mm. sieving, in, in a sieving methodology. When you dry sieve, 
you agitate at the same time that you sieve. Mm-hmm. Okay? When you use the water, you agitate on one side in a machine, and then you can sieve in your bag. Most mm-hmm. people don't. They collect in their bag. But it's like you cut that process into. It's incredibly powerful because you can fine-tune both sides of the process to a level that you wouldn't be able with water, without the water. And water remedifies the cream. That means that they cannot break anymore. So mm-hmm. that you can wash your cream 12, 15 times without breaking it and mm-hmm. having a product of a real cleanliness. And um, that dry sieve doesn't give you that. Now there is the, the big controversy do we lose more terpen when we use water than when we dry sieve? I personally don't think so. We still have to do it trim for trim and check it with some uh, comparative lab test. But logically, there is only one point where you can lose terpen. It's at the breaking point, the, where right. the, the stock uh, meets the head. And since... There is, at that level, it's only not totally formed terpenes that are going through the stores, through, through the stock. It's under the resin head that are really, they really transform from precursor into true terpenes, and then they come inside the resin head. That means that the real valid terpenes are the ones inside that resin head, which are not low loss when you you collect. So if there is a need of uh, of test at that level because if you dry sieve there is a lot of terpen loss too. There is it's hard to breathe in a room where you dry sieve. So yes. it's it's very it's very obvious to me that when something is dry it is much easier for easier for uh uh volatiles to evaporate or oxidize. So the water is actually a protectant of these uh, rosin, resin glands and um, gives you more time uh, to work with it before oxidation begins. So your oxidation, even the, the only turn is dry, and that's where you get your, um, your oxidation back. Right. Well, so there are other met- methods of extraction. For example, this new rosin tech. What do you think of rosin? I, um, I appreciate rosin, but I don't really agree with doing it with flour. Rosin is a type of extraction. It's the most simple type of extraction. And if you want to extract the resin that is into the resin head, it is not very logical to squeeze the whole bud to do that. You would, I would rather collect the resin head than extract the resin from those resin head like every extraction method does. So sure. personally, I really wonder how come somebody can have a 20 to 30% return on a flower by pressing it one time, when if I wash that flower 12 times, I don't, uh, I, I hardly get 10%. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? It's like, uh, that's I know my question. <laughs> I know exactly. Because when you, when you squeeze a, a, a flower that is made of 90% of water, you need to have it excessively dry not to have any moisture in your product. So is your 20-30% return before or after drying that resin that you just extracted? So listen, everybody out there, resin may be easy and quick and simple, but it does not compare to bubble hash. And uh, that's my personal opinion, and obviously that's Frenchie's opinion as well. You know why? Because it goes so much deeper than that. When you extract, you take away what is creating that magic, that power. Like there is so much power in that resin head. There is only two molecules that bound in that resin head. Those two molecules, phenol and terpene, are in spade everywhere in the plant kingdom. But the only fat little resin head it trans it bounds and transforms into eighty plus cannabinoids. What makes that transformation still a mystery for us? If you take away what creates the magic, you don't have the same product. You take away a big part of the equation. So although rosin is quick, simple, and it doesn't create a mess, you're losing losing a lot of the magic there. Um, or as I like to say, you're losing the soul, the heart and soul of the flower. And, you know, I, I'm a flower guy. And uh, so that brings me to another question. You know, two things I want to ask you. First, simply, how much does cultivation play a role into all of this? Does how or where the cannabis is grown matter to the outcome? Everything counts. The, the genetic, first it's the land where it grows, or the room, or uh, the greenhouse. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then there is, there is a grower, but it's more than what the grower brings on the table, like the perfect soil and, and all the, the nutrition part. It's the love and the dedication the plants feed it. And me, at the end of the day, in a resin, I can see it. And more than anything else, it's in the last two weeks of, of the flower cycle. If you cut down the last two weeks of the flower cycle, if you cut down the flower 10 days, two weeks before, the, the, the difference of quality is, it's, is, is huge. It it's half as from, good. It will be half as half. good. No, it goes grade down. It goes uh-huh. from something that I can hardly press because there is almost no resin found inside to something that is gooey to, uh, to a point you don't believe that it's Absolutely. So, so patients. Two weeks are, are everything. The grower is everything. That's why we need to protect you guys like your worst, the future. I get it. The growers are everything, and um, yeah. it, all, it all starts with the growers. And I'd like to add, I'm sure it's very important what you feed the plants, because what you feed the plants is ultimately going to determine the finished product. So, one of the last and most important questions that everybody wants, I'm sure, to know, when making cold water hash or hash in general, is it better to use fresh plant matter or cannabis that has been dried and cured? 
it's it says no best. There it's only two very very different peak of quality. When when you have live uh, material, you work with 120 plus terpen that you can you can most of them preserve. When you work with cured material, you have lost 80% plus of those terpen. But during the curing, there is a process that is called polymerization that is happening. You're binding the polymer of your terpen. That means that they're different. That's why the smell is often different from pure to to live uh, to live plant. It's not the same terpen profile. There is a, an evolution of it. It's brought to a, a different level. So you can't say which one is the best because they're just too different. Okay. Well, I'm going to go on record as saying that I think that the best hash comes from fresh resin um, only because most people don't know how to cure properly. So they're just aging the weed. <laughs> they're not really curing it. So you're just, making it, too, yeah. you're just making it from old weeds. So I think that if you really want to make the best hash, probably fresh material will probably work better best in that case. And um, interestingly, sorry, interestingly enough, just dried, it's not good. The quality, the quality, the quality goes at least one grade down. It's yes. like it peak at, it peak at harvest, then it goes down the, uh, when it starts drying and kicks back again when the curing is perfect. And the curing is three to nine months. And it's done in every producing ashes country of the world. Absolutely. Curing is, curing is very necessary for all of our cannabis products. Uh, time and patience. Well, listen, Frenchie, yes. man, I could talk with you for hours as we've done I'll before, but unfortunately we're running out of time in this segment. I could talk to you for hours, Frenchie. Um, we're going to take another quick break for our sponsors, and then we'll come back for a closing statement from Frenchie Cannoli. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living 
while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. We've just finished a lovely discussion with Frenchie Cannoli, hash master extraordinaire, but we have to do our Ask Kyle segment. So before we go into Ask Kyle Frenchie, could you please tell the folks out there, email address and or a website that they can contact you for more information? So the website is frenchycanoli.com. Otherwise, you can contact me. The best would be um, on uh, Instagram at frenchycanoli. Otherwise, there is, I have uh, a weekend workshop, um, the 25 and 26 Kenekula. And another one, the 23rd next month in Oregon. This will be certainly the two last, the three last workshop I'm giving uh, here. A lot of people are asking me to uh, to visit uh, other states. So everybody, you've got it out there, Frenchy Cannoli. That's F R E N C H Y. C-A-N-N-O-L-I, Frenchy Cannolis, giving Hashmaster uh, seminars, and look for them in your neighborhood. Frenchy, thanks for being us with us today, man. My pleasure. Thank you so much. See you soon, man. You have a great day. We're going to talk to you soon. Wow, that was a really fun conversation with Frenchie. I, you know, I love hashish. Uh, but it's time to get on with Ask Kyle here. We've got a whole load of questions from our listeners this week. So let's get started. From Ben F., he asks, how long can you keep sproutlings, interesting word, never heard that before, sproutlings in a tray with nutrients? I want them to be about a week old when I transplant them to buckets. Actually, about a week is the limit, Ben. Your plants are going to start to need some nutrients. Um, if you don't have a cloning, specific cloning nutrient, you, you can use a grow at half strength. And I would suggest after uh, two or three days of... Uh, leaving them in there without any nutrients, you really should feed them or they're going to start to go yellow. And uh, you want to treat your babies as good as possible. Keep them as healthy and strong. Next question from Steve C. I was recently gifted a couple of mature plants, but I don't have the vertical space I need for them in flower. My plants are about two and a half feet tall, and I need these new ones to be the same size so that I can get even light distribution. Will I damage them if I tie them down? They're about three and a half to four feet tall. Absolutely not, Steve. These plants can be manipulated any way you like. Uh, You can crack them, break them, and as long as you don't break the outside stem and damage them, they'll just continue to grow right back. You know, other than tying them down, you can also top these plants. You can take up to half the height off of a plant, and as long as you leave nodes below where you chopped, they'll just grow right on back. So think about evening off your canopy before you go into flowering. From Bill W., when you underfeed, do the bottom leaves start going first, or is it like newt burn, just all over? Um, 
No, when you underfeed, uh, your lower leaves are going to yellow and probably begin to drop. Newt burn is a little bit different. That's uh, where the tips of your plants start to show a little bit of burning, and generally that's from overfeeding. From Dan, in general, after pollinating a plant, how long would I wait before I'm able to foliar spray so as not to mess with the pollination process? Uh, that's a really good question, Dan. Pollen is uh, deactivated by water. So um, you don't want to spray immediately after pollinating. But pollination does take place almost virtually immediately. So one of the ways that I would um, make sure that any extra pollen that I placed on the plant is not going to spread throughout the garden would be to foliar spray with water. And I generally do that the morning after that I pollinated, and that would deactivate any, any overspray of pollen. So when I put the plant back in the room, I'm not going to repollinate the rest of the garden. I think we have time maybe for one more, maybe two more questions here. From Kevin, my plants are clawing. What does this mean? Typically, when your plants are clawing, it usually means that they've been overfed or overwatered. So if you've been giving them a light dose of food, chances are you need to let the plants dry out before feeding them again. If you've been giving them a high dosage of food, there's a good chance that you're going to need to give them a rinse the next time they do dry out or cut back on the food. That's typically what the clawing uh, visualization looks like. And that is all the time we have for Ask Kyle today. So once again, I want to thank our guest, Frenchie Cannoli, and our producers at Cannabis Radio for making the show possible. If you want to submit your questions for our weekly Ask Kyle segment or our upcoming Ask Kyle special, please send them to diane at kylecushman.com. That's D-I-A-N-E at kylecushman.com. Or go to our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash thegrowshow. Make sure to check out my website, kylecushman.com, where you can find out where to follow me on social media and upcoming events I'll be attending. You can find new episodes of The Grow Show every Wednesday by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Kyle Cushman, and as always, stay lifted. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.